season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Shrigling and I'm the host. We got episode number four of four this weekend. Final episode here of week one of the Arkansas Stick Series we got going on. Some great content here so far with the past three guests going on Thursday with Coach Brewster, Friday with Sam Silas, and Saturday with Brock's, Brex Caldwell. Um, expect the same today. Got some great content today. Um, can't thank these guys enough for everything we got going on. These past three guests, today's guest as well. Today's guest is going to be Logan Davis, 2023 commit, going to Arkansas Little Rock. This guy's true to what Arkansas Sticks players actually are, just what the whole program believes as a whole. Family, hard work, and just good baseball. I'm just talking to this guy. You get the feeling that he is a true Arkansas Stick. I'm just overall talking to all these guys so far. I'm starting to notice that they believe in a lot of great things, being a true person. Like I said, family, hard work, and just good baseball. Um, But today we discuss Sam's... Sorry, we discuss Logan's hitting approach, talk about his catching style as well, what it's like calling pitches, um, what happens when a pitcher shakes him off or some guy hits a ball to the gap on a pitch that he called. Um, just much more, just talk about his entire career so far, his whole playing style, the recruiting process, everything like that. Um, so let's dig into it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Arkansas Sticks catcher and outfielder, Texas native, and Arkansas Little Rock baseball commit Logan Davis on the show. Logan, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, man, I'm glad to have you on the show. But before we dig into your career a little bit, I do have one question I do like to ask everybody as soon as they get on the podcast, which is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Logan Davis? Um, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a baseball player, obviously. I'm just a small town kid, you know, got big baseball dreams and want to play at the next level. All right. So you said you got some big baseball dreams, but you're also a football player. So I guess yes, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. How's this season going? What's Texas football like? Obviously, everyone talks about Texas football. Um, so just how's this season going and what's it shaping up to be here um, this fall? Uh, the, the, we're, we're playing fine. I mean, you know, it's, it's the beginning. Every team has to work out their kinks, but, uh, by the end of the season, we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be pretty good. Okay. So obviously, I mean, you see movies, you see TV shows where people talk about Friday night lights in Texas is just a second to none. It's awesome. Um, so with your experience so far, what's that, what's that night, uh, what's that experience been? Uh, what's some things that you've gotten to see uh, just being a Texas high school football player? Um, kind of how does it compare to some stuff that people talk about, some movies, and just overall, how's that been for you? Oh, it's 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 unreal. Um, just when you're either walking out of the field house and you've got that music playing or you're in the tunnel and you're about to run out, or like even the first kickoff, like your adrenaline is so high, it's it's you can't describe it. It's something that – it's just overjoyous, I guess, so to say. Okay. 
So you said your Texas high school is 3A. So yes, kind of take us through what is that what is that size level for Texas? Like how many levels are there? And then for you, with you guys being 3A, like how big is your stadium and how big is the stadiums you guys generally play in? Okay, so Texas, you go through 1 to 6A. And 1A is obviously the lowest. And all the way up to 5A, there's D1 and D2. D1's like the bigger of that classification. And we're 3A D2. So that means like our senior, my senior class has around 75, 80 kids. And um, I mean, you know, it's just like a average size school, like nothing big or anything, but, but it's not, you know, but. So when you're on the football field, what position are you playing? Like in Texas with that kind of that size of school, do you guys play both ways or do you guys have a single – like is everyone just uh, on one either offense or defensive side of the ball? Uh, most of us have to play both ways. Um, I play receiver and defensive back, and I'm I'm having to play both of those positions as of right now. So with this being your senior year, now that you've been in it three, four weeks now, like are you kind of evolving as a team captain? Or what's it like being that kind of a, kind of a senior leader in the, in the locker room? Um. Well, my entire senior class, we all, we've all grew up together. We all played sports since we were able to walk, basically. And we all – we're all the leaders. If I mean, we all take charge on whatever we're doing, like eat, whether it's in the classroom, we get on people if they're not doing the right thing, or on the field we get on them, you know, missing assignments, not blocking, not catch, all that so, sort of stuff. So – it's just all of us, not just one certain person. So, obviously, Texas high school sports, I mean, that can be baseball, football. I'm not really sure what basketball is like down there in Texas. But, I mean, everyone knows that Texas is a state that takes high school sports really seriously. So, are you one of the only guys in your class who is committed to go play at the next level at any sport? Or are there multiple guys in your class who are going to the next level to play football, baseball, maybe even another sport? Um, I'm, I'm the only one committed, but we have, uh, some football guys and some baseball guys that have a lot of looks and, you know, they're just waiting to see what is best for them. Shout out to all of them. I mean, everybody I play with is a great athlete. Um, but they're just waiting to see what all they get and, you know, go from there. So, so digging into your recruiting process and digging into your commitment to the Ar- to Arkansas Little Rock, let's just dig into the whole recruiting process from start to finish. What you were looking for, stuff like that. Um, so, when did this uh, recruit? When did that recruiting process start for you? Like, when did you start getting noticed by some uh, some baseball teams at the next level? Uh, this past January, we went to the MLK East in Fort Myers, and. Um, I made like the all tournament team deal or whatever. And that's when I got a couple of texts and uh, I saw Euler coach Curry actually texted me and I was like, or called me, he called me actually. And he was like, you know, we, we like what we see and we'll definitely be in touch or whatever. And then uh, a couple weeks later, he uh, coach Sanders called me and he was like, how would you like to be a, Little Rock Trojan, and I said, sounds pretty good to me. So, you know. So besides Arkansas Little Rock, besides them reaching out, who were some of those other teams that were shooting calls, shooting texts uh, when that whole recruiting process got started up in January? 
Uh, I had Southeastern Oklahoma, which is a JUCO. Um, I had Arkansas Rich Mountain call. No, they texted. They texted. Excuse me. And those were the only other two. But I've had, I've had a couple of just like you know, texts here and there with them, but nothing, nothing like Little Rock has. Okay. So what was going through your mind as you were having these first initial conversations? with these coaches for the first time? Because obviously playing at the next level is a dream of most people. So what's going through your mind as you have coaches contacting you and you're like, oh, okay, maybe maybe this is going to happen. Maybe I'm going to go get to play um, baseball at the next level beyond high school. Uh, it was uh, very overwhelming at first. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to. I've, I mean, I worked so hard. Even since, I mean, when I was little, I wasn't very good to start out with. Uh, anybody that watched me back then could agree. But, you know, I worked every day and uh, I got to the point where I am now. And it, I'm very excited to see what uh, Little Rock holds. Yeah. So when you were talking to these, these schools for the first time, so those first couple that reached out in January and then some others that reached out throughout this process, what were some of the initial conversations like you were having with some of the coaches, assistant head coaches? Um, just what were some things that they were asking you, some things that they were talking about? Uh, most of them were like really concerned with academics, like especially the JUCOs. And uh, so I told them all about that. And uh, Little Rock, they just asked me about everything. Like they were more in depth than everybody. Like they asked how my high school season went uh how the summer ball was going and everything i was just like yeah this is this is the one okay so as you were going through this process what were some of the key things that you were looking for when you were talking to coaches you were looking at different schools just what were some of those key things that you were looking for before you actually decided uh that little rock was going to be home uh a sense of welcomeness for one um you know, want, feeling wanted by the coaches, um, and I and I have a couple of friends that go up there too. They graduated last year and the year before last, and so that kind of like you know swayed swayed me a little bit, but just a sense of want. So were there were there some other schools besides Little Rock that played a pretty pivotal role in this process that you were you were um, seriously debating? Uh, no, sir. That I knew it by a long shot. Okay. So, so looking over, I was looking over your Instagram. It looks like you committed in June. So, I mean, that's what, like a six month process. So how long did it take from January when you first started talking to these coaches after the MLK experience? And then how, like, how long did it take for you to know that Little Rock was going to be the place? Okay. So uh, Coach Brewster, shout out Coach Brewster. Um, he told me in February that Little Rock was going to be reaching out at some point in which obviously, you know, it's not going to happen right when you want it to. So then uh, I think we had just lost in the playoffs. We got beat out second round. And like the next day, Coach Brewster calls and he's like, hey, you're getting up. Your Little Rock's calling you within the next week. And sure enough, that Tuesday, I remember it was that Tuesday, Coach Curry called me and he you know, just started talking to me. And it was just a surreal experience. But So have you got have you gotten a chance to go up to Little Rock and kind of see what the campus is like now that you've been committed? 
Not yet. I've been so caught up with uh, football, uh, my hand surgery this past summer, and and travel ball before I had surgery. It was just, it was just all like I'm I was very busy this past summer and yeah. even now. I mean, yeah, now. I'm sure. I mean, being a being a two sport athlete, especially down there in Texas and playing travel ball, I mean that's a pretty hectic schedule. But yeah. since, since you did commit. Um, have you been able to build any relationships with other guys you're going to be playing with here these next couple of years, some other guys committed to Little Rock? Um, not yet. I have a couple – like, actually, I take that back. Uh, there were some guys on my team this past summer, and they're also committed to Little Rock. Uh, Luke Paxton, shout out Luke Paxton. Trey Gardner, shout out Trey. Um, and then Preston Davis, he's up there. He went to a school like 10 miles away from me. Uh, we're friends. So, I mean, it's just a couple of people that I know and I've played with and against. Yeah. So how far is that? How far is that Little Rock cam- uh, campus from where you're at in Texas? Uh, two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. Like so that's, I mean, that's, not, that's not bad at all. I'm sure your family, your friend's going to be able to go up for a week and go watch you play a little bit uh, while you're there for those four years. Yes. <laughs> but on the coaching side of things, how's that relationship? Obviously, when you committed, you already had somewhat of a good relationship with that coaching staff. But since you have committed, you've been committed now for a couple months, how has that relationship evolved with the Little Rock coaching staff? Uh, it's good. Uh, coach Curry and Coach uh, Sanders text me sometimes, and I text them. But, it, you know, it's just normal. It's nothing too excessive, I guess. So you mentioned Coach Brewster there a little bit. So let's actually dig into your travel ball experience as a whole. So obviously in Texas, I'm sure you didn't play for the Arkansas Sticks your entire travel ball career. So kind of dig into where you kind of started at and then how you got connected with Coach Brewster and the Sticks and just your overall travel ball experience as a whole so far. Okay. Uh, I started travel ball when I was 8 or 10 years old, one of the two, with my local team. And, you know, we would we would play district and state and we would go play in Conway or Dallas sometimes. And then my 11 year uh, this organization, we all moved. It was called Southern Athletics Baseball Academy. And we played with them until we until we were 14 and they merged with sticks. That's actually actually how I got to know Coach Brewster. Southern Athletics became a part of sticks baseball. So they merged, and that's when me and Coach Brewster, you know, we got close, and I started playing with them. Okay. So with Coach Brewster, obviously he's known at this – I mean, at this point, with what he's built with the Arkansas Sticks, I mean, he's known – he knows a lot of people. He's known across the country as Coach Brewster with the Arkansas Sticks. So how's your relationship with him? What was that first – when you first met Coach Brewster, what were some of your thoughts, and just how's that evolved over time? Um. I mean, I love Coach Brewster. I appreciate everything he's done. He's played a major role in my my entire experience with Sticks, my commitment. But um, my first my first reaction, I was I was very scared. You know, obviously a fifteen year old kid seeing somebody that has so much like power, you know, in the baseball world. You're like, oh god, like he could, you know, it's it, it was just overtaking, but. When you get to know him, he's a great person. I love Coach Brewster. Uh, great coach, great person. But, um, yeah, shout-out Coach Brewster. 
so at, at this point in your career, obviously now this all fall, your, your schedule is going to be time filled with football. Next spring's your senior year. Now, then you head off to Little Rock. So was your travel ball career over or are you planning on playing any uh, fall ball events or maybe even in an 18U event next summer at all? Um, well, I've been to the past two MLK tournaments. We went to Houston my sophomore year and last year we went to Fort Myers and I'll probably go to the MLK this year. Um, and summer, I haven't really decided yet. I think it would be good both for, you know, exposure and reps. Obviously you need reps for going into fall ball and all that good stuff, but we'll, we'll just see how that goes. So as you're heading into what could potentially be your last tournament here at the MLK um, this upcoming winter, which is looking back at your entire travel ball career, just what are some good stories that come to mind, just some good memories that you have when you think of travel ball as a whole? Um, you know, just all of it. I mean, I, I have a great time with everybody. I have not had a bad experience in travel ball. I mean, obviously, you know, there's arguments and there's all that, but I mean, even outside of baseball, like when you go to talk golf with the team or you all go eat, like every everything is just good. It's a great environment, uh, all great people, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've been to MLK the past two seasons. So I've never been down to the MLK tournament. So kind of take us through what that's like. Is it, is it a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing? Or just what's that overall experience when you head down to the MLK tournament? Um, it's a Thursday through Sunday. And, um, like I said, my sophomore year, we went down to Tomball, Texas and we played, I actually played up that year. I didn't play with my age. I played up. And then this past January, we went to Fort Myers and it was a Thursday through a uh, Sunday. Okay. So moving a little bit into your high school, high, high school baseball career a little bit. So playing in Texas, obviously, like I said, but I've mentioned a couple times here, Texas high school baseball is in a league of their own when it comes to just high school baseball as a whole. I'm sure you put California, Arizona, Texas, Georgia, and Florida all kind of in that same bubble as just tier one when it comes to high school baseball. Um, yeah. So what's these past couple seasons been like when you're playing? Um, let's see. What high school is it? Hooks High School. So yes, what sir. what what are these past couple seasons been like? And then what's the outlook here on your senior season? Like you, you guys losing a couple guys, bringing some guys back. So just kind of take us through that a little bit. Um, last season we had a good season. Um, we went two rounds deep in the playoffs, and we got we obviously got beat, but we were a good team. We had we had a great group of seniors, and. Um, you know, that's how that went. Uh, my sophomore year uh, wasn't the best baseball team I've ever played with. But, you know, great group of guys, like I said. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's I, I, I look at it – I look at seasons like that as more of experience and reps more than success, if that makes sense. Like, I got better that season even though we didn't have the best record or we didn't go to the playoffs that season. So. so in Texas, there is a thing that I've, I've kind of learned as I've interviewed different te Texas baseball, football players, this and that, that you guys do have like a practice class session or whatever that is called. I know you said that's at the end of your day, but with that kind of just taking up some time instead of actually going to class, 
what does your average day look like uh, when it is game day and it comes to, you know, get ready before the game um, while other kids are in class? Um, well, you know, I like to I like to lock in, I guess. I'm not as talkative. I think about, like, how I'm going to approach this guy throwing and how whoever's pitching and I'm catching, like, how, how to, you know, work with him, how his sequences work and everything. And, you know, I just, I'll just put both of my AirPods in and roll through the day. So, okay. So you, you did mention that you had hand surgery at some point this past spring. So when, when did you hurt that hand? Uh, March 29th against Ashdown. We were playing a non-district game uh, against Ashdown. Okay. And so, so what exactly, what, what happened? Was it on a certain play? What, what was going on there? Uh, I was, I was behind the dish, um, and a guy, he took off from first and I popped up. And as soon as my hand came up, he fouled the ball off and it came down right on my knuckle, my point, my right pointer finger knuckle. And so basically we go to the doctor that night, get an x-ray. They said it wasn't broke. So me being me, I'm, I'm out there next, next Monday. And, uh, well, I go through the season. I mean, obviously, it kept hurting throughout the entire season, you know. But I was like, whatever, I'm not going to say anything. And before the first tournament in uh, Lake Point this summer, I was like, there's something wrong. So we go to the hospital and we get an x-rayed and it for sure was it was broken. It was pretty broken. But, you know, I had I had surgery. I've gone through re- uh physical therapy and i'm i'm good to go now i where i i throw and i hit every day so so how with you in football season right now like how do you make time out of your schedule to uh still hit and still throw every day um so normally practice football practice we get out at seven and then uh you know i go home i eat and then i'll go throw with my brother and i'll go I'll do T-work, front toss, and then I'll have my brother throw to me. Okay. So you you, let, you did mention that when you did hit, hurt your hand, you were behind the dish. On perfect game, you are listed as a catcher and an outfielder. So as you do head to Little Rock, have you talked to them at all about, about what maybe the plan is when you head there? Are you planning on sticking behind the plate, you know, playing the outfield a little bit? Kind of what's, what's your mindset on that? Um. We, we've had vague conversations, you know, I haven't really mentioned it and they haven't either, but I would assume that it, I'll go for both. What, once I get there, once okay. I get there. So once, once you do get there, um, are you usually playing left, right field? Or are you a center fielder as well? Um, what's, what, what different outfield positions are you playing? I, I play any of them just wherever the coach tells me to go, I'll go. Okay. And is there, I never, so when I was playing ball, I, I was never an outfielder. So is there a difference in just like a mentality a standpoint when you're playing left center or right? Like, is there certain things that you're reading differently or is it kind of all the same when you're out there? It's definitely different, especially if you like think about it. If you're one of those that just go out there and play, obviously it's not going to be different, but um, you know, for me, it's definitely different. Left is obviously going to be different than right. You've got the tail on the ball and right, you know, Center, you've got to have the best jump out there. It's just, it just depends where you're playing, basically. Okay. So when you are behind the dish, are you calling games, or does the coach generally do that for you? 
I call the games. Okay. So what's your approach when you're calling games? Um, well, for school, you know, you play you play tournaments and then you go to district. Tournaments, you know, I get through the first – I get the, through the lineup first, and then I'm like, oh, okay, this guy struggles on da-da-da-da-da. And I just go from there. And in district, you see those guys so many times, and you have you you know how the pitchers work, so you know how to get those guys out. So I just I just work that sequence of what those guys struggle on. Okay. So when you when you are playing travel ball, obviously, I mean, you're seeing, I'd say, hundred plus hitters a weekend. So with you not being able to scout all those guys, how do you go about facing some of those uh, those better travel ball players? Um. You know, just work them, work your count. You can't, you can't just go in there and think, oh, they're not going to hit an off speed or, oh, they're not going to hit an outside fastball. Like, you've got to actually work them and play mind games with them instead of just, you know, ba- basically letting them figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. So when you are calling the game, do you – and you let's say you're calling a good game and then you make a pitch. I mean, you call a pitch that you're thinking, all right, this is going to work, and then the hitter um, somehow gets a hit off of it. Um, good. Uh, extra base hit, whatever it happens to be. Do you take offense when that happens, or do you kind of just look past it and be like, "All right, we got the next guy. Get that past guy. We'll get him next time he's up in the lineup." Uh, well, you know, I kind of, I kind of talk to myself a little bit. I'm like, "Wow, you're an idiot." But then I move on and I go to the next batter and try to try to get him out. Yeah. So do you ever have do you ever have a pitcher that's kind of shaking you off consistently throughout that game, or for the most part, do most of your pitchers kind of? Um, just have have that trust in you to call the right pitches. Uh, most definitely in high school, uh, travel. Uh, I didn't catch as much, so you know they're not gonna. I'm not gonna know exactly how they work, but it wasn't just like a I get five no shakes every every pitch or anything. But yeah. So when you're when you're in travel ball and like you said, you obviously don't have that same trust as you have with your high school guys. How do you go about building that trust with different pitchers when you're on the travel ball team and you're you're catching different pitchers every day um, that you're just not used to? Uh, just talking to them, seeing what they're comfortable with. And, you know, they're obviously going to see something that I don't and I'm going to see something that they don't. So you got to work together to build to build that trust, to build that like a chemistry. So y'all know what page y'all are on and how to how to work with each other. Okay. So flipping it around to the other side, when you're actually in the batter's box, kind of take us through your hitting approach. So this can be just take us through, you're on the on-deck circle, you're watching the guy in front of you, watching the pitcher, all the way up to when you're walking in the batter's box and it's time to go, it's time to get down to business. Just kind of take us through your hitting approach a little bit. Uh, On deck, uh, I basically just time it up. I go through everything I've been taught, you know, what swing works or how my swing works. I just remind myself of it. And then once I get in the batter's box, I don't think. I just I just go. Cause what because I, I my thing is if I think too much, I can't I can't do anything successfully. So I just go in there and I and I, I just go. So are you the are you the type of guy that when you get in the batter's box, you're just trying to hit? Or is there something that you're trying to do with each pitch? Like let's say, or if he's throwing it outside, I want to take that oppo or um, does your does your approach change when there's two strikes, or are you kind of? Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely situational hitting, yes. But as a like, if I, you know, if I get a single, 
the first at bat, I'm not going to go, oh, okay, I'm going to hit a double or a triple this time. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hit it where I need to take it oppo, pull it, uh, runners on second and third. I'm going to hit it where it needs to be, you know, just that sort of thing. So how does your approach change when you get the two strikes? Cause I know for the most part, most people do have that two strikers approach, but some guys they're about it. They're just, they're just swinging, swinging at all times, not really worrying about how many strikes are in the count. So. Um, I'm definitely more, uh, not, I'm not as passive with bad pitches. Obviously the strike zone is going to expand. So I spread, I barely spread out. I don't do that. I don't choke up, but I do, I do become less passive and I do try to put those balls in play that are at, I mean, even close to being called. Yeah. So if you were a scout watching your game, this could be in the batter's box behind the plate, in the outfield, and even when you're interacting with some of your teammates. What would be your personal scouting report on yourself? Um, I would probably say, you know, he's got uh, – I guess I have a good swing. Uh, I don't like to harp on myself too much. But um, don't throw him an inside pitch anywhere because that's, that's where I succeed the most. Um, maybe oppo hit oppo hitting definitely needs to get better. Um, cause I try, I try to, you know, I'm heavy pull, so I need to try to get better at that. Obviously, uh, as a, as a player going to play at the next level, but I mean, I guess that's it. I don't, I don't really know how to do that. To be honest with you. <laughs> so you, you do mention oppo hitting needs to get better. So what are some of your weaknesses Oppo hitting including in some um, uh, stuff besides oppo hitting. What are some of the biggest weaknesses you're wanting to fix before you head to Little Rock um, in the fall of 2023? Um, okay. Hold on. So let's say in one game you face a guy throwing 92, right? Which is very common, when, and especially when you play in Lake Point and all those tournaments. And then the next game you see a set an 80 an 80 lefty I, I i need to get better personally at being able to time that and not thinking about last game how oh i've got to react quicker like like i said i'm a heavy pull guy and when i see that slower i'm gonna i'm gonna roll over if i don't if i don't time it right and that is something i've i've struggled with but obviously it's getting better but you know just got to work with it every day and get better that sort of thing so playing, you mentioned at Lake Point, it's kind of common to see that 92 mile an hour fastball. Playing at Lake Point, playing for the sticks and going to all these big time tournaments, and playing in that state of Texas, where like I mean, I mean, I'm gonna say it again, where high school baseball is just legit. Um, who are some of the hardest pitchers that you've been able to face here in your career so far? Uh, Travis Saroka, he's committed to the University of Texas. He is topped at 101. Uh, he plays for Texas Premier. Uh, Eisenhower. Uh, who else? I'm trying to figure. We saw another like 95, 94, 95 arm in Tomball. I didn't know his name. He was committed somewhere power five, though. Yeah, I mean, was, was Travis, I've never been able to pronounce his name right. Sakura, Sakura. I, I say Syroka, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good in the grammar. Department. Oh, no, no, me either. So, I mean, I honestly, I've never been able to pronounce his name right. Um, I just always see his name up there at the top of the list when it comes to mock drafts for 2023. 
Um, so kind of take us through that at, at bat when you're facing him. What was your approach, and then how did he go after you? Um, he definitely pounded outside, obviously. And then the first pitch, and then I was like, okay, this is a lot faster than I thought it was. So I spread out, and I flattened my bat a little bit, and I was just hoping to uh, put it in play. Um, yeah. So what, what what ended up being the outcome of that bat? <laughs> uh, we ground ball to first base. All right. Well, at least you made contact. You can say you made, that's, you made, that's you made contact with, the, with triple digits. Yeah. Well, yeah. I told my dad, I was like, surely, surely you're proud that I made contact. He was like, yeah. So <laughs> that's something I got out of it. Yeah. All right. Well, Logan, I got a couple more questions for you before we end off the podcast. So like I said, when we first started, uh, at the, to end off each podcast, when I do interview some prospects, I kind of like to dig away from the baseball field. I mean, we've been talking about baseball now for a little bit more than a half hour. So um, when you're not playing baseball, what are some of the passions that you have beyond the baseball field? Just some things you like to do in your hometown there in Texas. Um, not going to lie. I like to hang out with my friends, males and females, you know. You know how that goes. <laughs> but uh, I actually have my best friend right here. His name's Carter Harris. Shout out, Carter. Um, I, I like to hang out with friends and family. Um, uh, what else do I do? I hunt, you know, when it's hunting season. Um, you know, I just, I just do what every other teenage kid does, I guess. Just hangs out with just does does his own thing, doesn't you know, cause any problems or anything. Yeah. So when you're hunting, what things are you hunting for? Like I know duck, turkey, deer, that's popular here in Indiana. So is in Texas, is that basically kind of the same thing? Yeah, I deer hunt most of the time. Duck hunting's not my cup of tea, but if I'm invited, I'll go. So it's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. What about what about coyote hunting? I've been so I like I grew up on a farm. I never really hunted much until about a couple of years ago when my buddy started inviting me out to go coyote hunting. I mean, it's cold as shit. Like, I was like, man, I, this isn't for me. But in Texas, is coyote hunting a thing? Or is that kind of a Midwest thing, you think? Um, I don't hear many people saying that. Like, obviously, you'll say, you'll hear people say that they've got them on their cameras and they'll go. But other than, like, deer and duck, you don't really see much. Hog, some people go hog hunting. I've actually killed a couple of hogs, believe it or not. But other than that, deer and duck are the two dominants here. So when you say hogs, I mean, there's hog farmers around. Like, Is there, is there wild hogs in Texas too? Yes, sir. So, <laughs> so what's the difference between a wild hog and a regular hog? Um, they're, they're gross. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to get in the way of one. You know, they're, they're pretty big. I I'll actually send you a picture of the one I killed one time. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to what what the, the difference looks there. I mean, I know when you're driving around the farm and you see hogs in a pen. I mean, that's normal. I've never, I guess, I didn't realize wild hogs were kind of a thing were kind of a thing in Texas. But yeah, they're they're smelly. <laughs> they they've got thick, weird fur or hair. It's are they, it's gross. Are they like black too? Yes, they're black. Okay, so I think I might, I think I might have like a little picture in my head, but yeah, send that picture to me. I'm kind of curious to what it's like. Um, but I do have one last question for you. So obviously, name, image, and likeness—that's a big thing that's hit college here these past couple of years. Just came out in July 2021. When you do head to Little Rock, 
you will get that opportunity to potentially endorse a brand or work or collaborate with a different brand or company. So if you could endorse or collaborate with any dream brand in, within the United States, what would that brand be? Bang Energy. Bang Drink. Okay. What's your favorite flavor? Blue Raz. All right. Is there, are you strictly Bang or is there like, I know Rain's another popular one. Rain sucks. I will never drink another rain in my life. So there's a taste difference there. I always kind of thought they were like the same. I always thought they were kind of like the same company. No, rain is terrible. Okay. So are there, they, they can come call me right now. I would tell them how bad they are. All right. Well, I guess I'll take your word for it. I've never tried rain. <laughs> I've kind of stuck to C4 and ghost. Do you guys have ghosts down there in Texas? Yeah. Like the sour patch and the warhead. I like yeah. Those. Those, those are, are, those are actually really good. Those are good. Those are good. But it's they're but better than I, the they're better than the plain old Red Bull you you'll get um just anywhere. I can honestly say I've never drank a Red Bull. Okay. Yeah, I never so I I actually I never drank caffeine until I started working at this bar here in my home in my in my college town. And man, I just like getting home at like six AM, I was like, shit, like I'm gonna need to start drinking some and Red Bull really wasn't doing it for me. So I kinda had to switch to uh like bigger energy drinks. So maybe I'm gonna have to take your word for it and go get a bang. Hey, they're definitely worth it. I promise. Awesome. All right, Logan. Well, that's all the questions I got for you, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm really excited to be doing this Arkansas Stick series. I mean, including yourself. I mean, I've got, I think, I think it's like 25, 26, 27 guys. I have to look at the list, but going to be a big series here on the JKR podcast with the Arkansas Sticks and Coach Brewster. So I'm glad to have you be a part of it. Uh, Just really thankful for you to come on the show, man. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Awesome. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast, episode number four of four here of week one of this Arkansas Stick series. Just a special thanks here to Logan today. Special thanks to everybody that's been on the show so far of this Arkansas Stick series. One guy I want to shout out, obviously, Coach Brewster. Special thanks to him for helping me set this entire thing up. I'm excited. As we round out week number one, I'm just really excited to go up these next couple weeks with the Arkansas Sticks, learn even more about the program, learn even more about some of their top players. Um, But for week number two of the Arkansas Stick series coming up next weekend, got Connor Nolan, former Arkansas Stick, former Arkansas Razorback for football and baseball, 2022 MLB draft pick to the Chicago Cubs. Then we've got MJ Seau, CJ Richard, and Nolan Souza as well. So pumped to get those guys on the show, pumped to be producing this content for you guys to listen to. Um, But for any more updates on the JKR podcast, go follow our social media and our website. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Website is www.jkrpodcast.com. But with that being said, I'll catch you guys all next week, and you guys have a great day.